0: episode 56 jeremy kubicek
1: welcome to gut plus science analytics about people insights for executives truth you can act on a high energy fast-paced results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and ceo your host nikki Llewellyn.
0: Alright, we're back to it on Gut Plus Science, it's Nikki. So we aren't talking about ten Xing our leadership influence today, but we are talking about a hundred X. This show talks about getting fired up. So that totally makes me pumped up because why in the heck would anyone want to live anyway except for fired up? I've got Jeremy Kubitschek, author of The 100X Leader with me today. Jeremy has a life lesson to share with us about living more intentional and the inspiration for the work that he gets to do every day. Jeremy is the chairman and CEO for Giant Worldwide and CEO of Giant TV. We've got some talking to do, so let's go. let's just dive right in. Tons of stuff to cover. So I've been on this kick lately about living alive. It's coming up in many of my conversations. And after reviewing your book, 100X Leader, I feel like I can kick off with this question. What does it mean to live life alive?
2: All right. So if if I think of the concept of live alive, I think of fire and where people are on fire, where they're passionate. and, And I think in time, there are certain things that actually kill the fire. So for me, living alive means that my my pilot light is lit. I'm fully alive, meaning I'm, I'm engaged, I'm excited, I'm thinking about things uh, formally and informally. And so uh, that means when I'm fully alive. When I'm not fully alive, that that's just the dimmers on, it usually is when tasks, clients, partnerships, things kind of squeeze Uh, the joy out a little bit. So for me, being fully alive is when I'm thinking about things consistently, again, formally and informally, I can't get it off my mind.
0: Good. I love that answer. And so when I think about employee engagement, which is what the show is all about, I think of a fired up employee. So we got a lot of alignment there, which is super cool. I'd love to hear from you when you think about things that dim the light or put the fire out when it comes to disengagement, what comes to mind?
2: Well, we we have a term at Giant called uh, 70-30, and 70% of your time should be spent on things that you're fired up about, that you're actually, um, you can do, it's unconsciously competent, that you're just, you're in your sweet spot. 30% of your time are, are the things that are draining. You have to do them. You know, it's like, yeah, I know I need to fill out this form. I know I need to do, for me, a contract or whatever it would be that I'm not very excited about, but I know I can do it if especially if I'm doing 70% of the things that I love doing. But if I'm upside down, if I'm like 30, 70, then all of a sudden that fire starts to dim a little bit. And so that's just a really good indicator to help you understand how to stay in your sweet spot.
0: Oh, that's really good. And I could think, you know, a good practice would be to look at your calendar and all the things that you're doing and be able to evaluate, you know, am I at that 70, 30 or what can I do to get there? So I'm going to bring up your book a number of times because I've used that to kind of guide our conversation. So the 100 X leader, you talk about being a liberator. What is that?
2: Yeah, we, ha- we have a tool that we use. Everyone in our book, we use uh, visual tools because that's really where the world is now. It's how people are, are learning. So we have an X and Y matrix where um, you basically have high support and, and low support, high challenge and low challenge. A liberator is someone who actually learns how to calibrate high support and high challenge to those they lead. So they're always thinking, do they need more support or more challenge right now? What's undermining their influence Do I have enough guts to share it with them? Do they they know I'm for them? So a liberator turns people green. They're they're the ones who actually light a fire inside people. Uh, They they proactively know how to um, engage people, but they're like the best coach you've ever had, the best teacher, the best parent, where they're bringing unbelievable support and commensurate challenge uh, to that person. That's a liberator.
0: So cool. I love when we get new terminology on the show. <laughs> you have a story, Jeremy, about shifting your life to intentional from accidental. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, it was several years ago. And um, I, I woke up and I had realized I had been oh, just killing my family a little bit. I've been working so hard and I was overproductive, but under and when I was overproductive under present, over time, there's some casualties to that, meaning you lose influence with those closest to you. So you might get a lot done at work, but those closest to you start uh, really losing some respect. And I can remember looking in my kids' eyes, and they just didn't believe me. Yeah, yeah, sure, Dad. And it was like this moment hit me and I was like, you know what? I've got to change the way that I'm living. And so I started working on becoming more present with my family and keeping my levels of production. Maybe it, maybe it came down a little bit, but I, I right sized my production. And that was the key. And it was what I realized I have this little dimmer switch on my back and it's, uh, you do too. We all have it. It's this intentional and accidental dimmer switch. And I started realizing in some circles, I'm very intentional. In some circles, I'm very accidental. So I was accidental in the way that I was treating myself, my body. You know, I was just working so hard. I was accidental with my family. I was very intentional with my team and my organization. And then I was accidental with my community. And I started moving those levers in each circle um, up. And it has had a, a, a tremendous effect on, on my life and my kids and my family as well.
0: And I bet you're living life more alive <laughs> because of that. Thanks for sharing that. So what does it mean to be a 100X leader or where does the title of the book come from?
2: The idea is what well, i would spent so many years. I'd, I've been leading um, large organizations. We used to own John Maxwell's assets. I used to run the Chick-fil-A leader Cast and all of these big events. And I'd have people um, come in and do a lot of rah-rah. And I I was tired of the leadership game because I was seeing that most leaders at their best, we 75 plus. What that means is they're 75% alive. You know, generally healthy. Yeah, things are good. Sure, good to see you. And then plus means they'll add value. Hey, my door's always open. If you ever need anything, you come see me. So it wasn't proactive. It was positively reactive. And I think most leaders live between 60 minus, jaded, and kind of when, you're, when you leave them, you kind of feel some life sucked out of you. To 75 plus, which is, like I just shared, uh, generally healthy and will add value. But when 100x, so there's a journey from 75 to 100. And that means like living very intentionally in all circles. But then there's a plus to a, a multiplication. And that journey from the plus to the multiplier, that multiplication is very difficult. Because now you're thinking proactively about everyone in your life to go, what is the next level that they need to get to
0: so what's the tipping point to change leaders from 60, 75 to 100? Like, what's the first step?
2: Usually, it's the idea of intentional versus accidental. So when you actually, um, even me talking about it, most leaders are like, I've never thought about this before. huh? And so most leaders are people that people have to follow, and not want to follow. And so the idea of getting um, engaged and intentional maybe in their family, maybe in the way that they lead themselves, usually that's the, the tipping point because they've been thinking about it in work, uh, but they've probably gotten into a rut. They probably haven't been thinking about it in the way that they lead themselves or their family.
0: Good stuff. I'm curious, what what when you think of CEOs that have a tribe behind them, like employees follow them, want to follow them, not because they have to, but they, they want to, what do you think are those you know, key differentiators in those CEOs?
2: You know, I I think the key is relational trust. You think about, um, we have a flywheel that we use for team performance. So if a team is performing, it has to have communication, relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity. What most leaders do is they focus on alignment and execution. And they say it like, hey, can we just get everyone on the same page? And come on, can we just get on the same page? And let's just make it happen. Come on, guys. And so they push so hard for execution. But if they've done it outside of communication and relationship, they'll get compliance. They won't get engagement. And the secret for great leaders is that they focus on communication and relationship first, which is where all relational trust comes from. And when that happens, you don't have to work as hard on alignment and execution. It will naturally take place because your employees are engaged, they're alive, and they want to follow you because they believe that you're for them, uh, not against them.
0: So let's go just a little bit deeper on this as, you know, some of this seems basic, but it's what many of us don't master, communication and relational trust Illustrate that a little bit. What, what does that CEO that's doing this really well and people are following them, how are they communicating? How are they relationally building trust?
2: Yeah, so in the 100X book, we use the concept of culture is like a greenhouse. And a greenhouse, the the leader is like the gardener. Well, we have a process in um, our world called the five voices. And it's basically we've taken Carl Young's work and some of the stuff at the front that led to Myers Briggs. And we basically simplified it, and we we see every employee is like a plant. And you know when you buy a new plant, it has that little card, and it tells you how much water it needs, how much sunlight it needs. It's a cheat sheet for how to grow that plant. Well, we believe that every employee wants to grow like a plant wants to grow. But sometimes a leader actually can stunt the growth of their people. Uh, And so if you don't know the personality and the wiring of the the people, then you don't know how to water them appropriately. And then if you don't have the, the formal and informal time with specific encouragement, then you're not going to get the best out of people. So people are maybe not an asset and, and they become a liability because that's the way that you're treating them. So if you're a black thumb versus a green thumb, then you'll create a toxic atmosphere, a toxic greenhouse where employees aren't thriving. And and we've just found that the, the best leaders learn how to water their plants, they learn what the best sunlight is, they learn the best situations because they know their people really, really well.
0: I love this greenhouse plant example. And like you said, you can learn more about that in the book, The 100X Leader. You inspire this Sherpa mindset. Can you talk more about that?
2: Yeah, we started um, creating a metaphor. Everything we do is really simple, but it's really deep, but we, we want a 13-year-old to get it. And if a 13-year-old can get it, it will spread throughout an organization. So, we use Mount Everest as the example. And, you know, when, you, when um, Mount Everest, a lot of people use mountains as, as examples, but we just go a lot deeper. Um, when people climb Mount Everest, they think of getting to the very top and raising their arms in celebratory you know, fashion and taking that selfie. And then, you know, social media everywhere. Hey, look at me. The reality is, everyone we've talked to, uh, they kind of went in with Mount Everest with that thinking. When they came out, the only thing that we the main thing they talked about was their sherpa and a sherpa were people there are a people group that are himalayan people and they're born at 14,000 feet so they're acclimated at higher levels they can climb and so what they do is they go ahead of the climbers and they set the ropes and the ladders and then they come behind the climbers and they help get them to the next level so we're saying that is a hundred x leader it's the sherpa mindset it means that you're acclimated enough to climb at the higher levels. And so what you do then is you begin to think about what's the level that your employee needs? What do you need them to get to? What do you need them to learn? Have you provided them the ropes and the ladder to help them get there, equip them, but then you come behind them and bring the the right challenge. And so that Sherpa mindset is kind of the metaphor that people just get and go, oh my goodness. So then we train Sherpas inside organizations to do this work so that they're actually helping other employees get to the next level.
0: Such a such a cool example. Do you have a couple of people in your life that you could maybe share examples of how they Sherpa well?
2: Yeah, so I have a guy who's, um, his name is Robert. And Robert has been a 75 plus leader uh, for a long time and good guy, everyone likes him. But internally, it just wasn't, going to the next level. So he started practicing moving to the X from the plus. And so he's been taking three or four people and it's been crazy, honestly. I, I got a letter from them, uh, from some of his employees going, what did you do to Robert? This is ridiculous. He's a completely different person. And what it was is he just started thinking proactively about their levels and what they needed. And then they knew that he was for them. And so it's just, it's a fun example when you start seeing it take place. Um, I've seen um, one of our key leaders, his name's Mike, and Mike started doing it with his son. And so he started taking his um, 10-year-old son and thinking about what is it he needs to learn. And so um, then giving him, instead of just preaching to his son, he's been creating these experiences to go, I really want my son to learn this emotional intelligence And so, you know, but doing it in a 10-year-old way. Um, So you can do it like that or you can do it with employees, but it's all, it is a mind shift.
0: I love that. Thanks for sharing. Let's talk about the importance of working on ourselves as leaders. So we've all heard the analogy many, many times about you're on an airplane. They always tell you to put your mask on before you can help anyone else, right? We have to take care of us first. You have a version of this. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. The
2: idea is it really comes down to um, credibility gaps or integrity gaps. You, you don't want a gap um, because, you know, again, if you're a person that people have to work for versus want to work for, you lose your influence. You don't have the respect. Um, so no one really wants to work with you. Once you start working on yourself, that we, we call it know yourself to lead yourself, you'll start analyzing and seeing your tendencies and knowing that those tendencies will never change. Like, for instance, um, do you have a tendency to be impatient? Well, if you have a tendency to be impatient, that will never change. What can change is the action uh, or reaction to that tendency. So um, instead of huffing, rolling your eyes, what if you change your patterns? And so you start, you know, addressing certain things that you do differently. Well, that will have that action will have a different consequence and that consequence will shape reality. Most leaders, um, you know, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Well, they're doing that consistently. And I always ask this question, how's that working for you? And so I'll get people, leaders will tell me something. And I'm like, yeah, what do you normally do? Well, I normally do this. How long have you been normally doing that? 20 years. How is that working for you? Do you think there might be a different pattern that might have a different action that might cause a different outcome? And that's really what we're trying to get people to do. Your tendencies will never change. You'll always be impatient. So just recognize that. But what you do with that impatience and your patterns that that come from that can change.
0: I'm curious what your favorite tools are or processes for feedback.
2: Well, from from a feedback perspective, uh, we like the good old-fashioned conversations. We actually use our tools to have conversations around. Uh, Feedback um, the problem with feedback is it can be subjective. So I'm like, hey, Nicky, you know what? Um, we've been working a long time. I just need you to step it up. I just need you to get to the next level. You know, like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. So what we've done is we've created visual tools that give feedback. They become mirrors. And uh, so one of them is the support challenge matrix I mentioned. So if you're holding up the support challenge matrix with high support and high challenge, there's four quadrants. I can look at the mirror together with you and we can see how you're doing and how I'm doing in the same conversation where the mirror gives us objective language, but it also plays the bad guy. It's not me as the leader subjectively telling you something. The visual tool absorbs all of the drama and it actually allows us to have an adult conversation.
0: Okay. And so I asked for processes or favorite tools around feedback. That was wonderful. Is there anything else different in the realm of self-awareness tools, whether that's an assessment that you love or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So um, the five voices uh, is an amazing tool. It's the five com. It's really, it's free. It's It's very easy, but by, by really knowing someone and knowing myself, then I can have dialogue and conversation. I'll just give you an example. This morning before I got in here, and we're having an early podcast. I had uh, another business I'm involved in and I have a partner in that. And it was just, I, I was just really unnerved because of an email that came with the wrong time. And it was kind of a Zorro email, I call. And I, it bothered me. I'm like, why did this bother me? It bothered me like it did 20 years ago with this partner. So like all of these old feelings came back and I analyzed them over the weekend. Well, because I have a process of, uh, we call it the core, Um, it's call it, like what's going on here, okay? Now, own it. Uh, Why is it going on? Now, what's your response going to be, and when are you going to respond, which is execute? So, core is call it, own it, respond, and execute. Well, that was allowing myself to analyze myself, to know myself, and go, okay, this is a tendency. You're overreacting, Jeremy, (laughs) And, you know break it apart it's okay what's the what's the real issue here and i was able to get to the real issue yesterday and i was able to respond and and i believe a good way today but that was myself really working on myself and that was uh the tool that i used for that
0: Okay, very helpful. I think there's just so much power in just taking time to reflect before responding so much in that emotional intelligence world that we learn on take time before just, you know, reacting to an email and then having a process for that that works for you. I think it's just so important, whichever one you choose. So thank you for sharing yours. So this show is all about employee engagement, as we talked about when we prepped and kind of weaving that throughout. I'd like to know, how do you define employee engagement, Jeremy?
2: Yeah, I think the, the employee engagement is basically the, the idea. Again, I go back to that fire analogy. It's employee engagement is when you can connect the vision and passion of the organization to the vision and passion of the person. So it's think of the idea of the pilot light. So if I'm, if I literally am lighting the fire of those that, that I'm leading. So lighting the fire, then Is that their pilot light is on and they want to, they'll run through a brick wall. They're excited, they're engaged. I don't have to to force them or uh, coerce them to work. If I'm always lighting a fire underneath someone, uh, then, you know, I always found people will move, but they'll move away from the fire because it, it, it hurts. So they'll move and then they'll go set somewhere else. And so if I'm spending all of my time lighting fires underneath people, that means I haven't done a good job with engagement. I'm forcing compliance. And so the whole idea is I have to be alive as a leader. If, if I'm not alive, if my fire's not engaged, it's really hard to engage other people.
0: You know, there's nothing better that I would, uh, I can imagine talking about on a Monday morning, by the way, Mondays are my favorite day of the week, than being alive and being on fire. So what a great way to kind of segue into the next part of our show. This was so good so far, super actionable ideas for our listeners. Really, thank you, Jeremy, for taking the time. I'm inspired. Let's take a quick break here from our sponsor message today. And we're going to come back to what we call the lightning round, where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about the personal side of you. We'll be right back.
1: In our conversations with CEOs and hiring managers, we hear they're frustrated with traditional recruiting. From outrageous fees to focusing on candidates before clients, the process was broken and needed to be fixed. Enter Titus Talent. Titus Talent strategy serves its clients using passionate people, a proven process, and unparalleled performance. Oh, and did we mention they guarantee the performance of their candidates for 12 months? If you want to learn how they're disrupting the recruitment space, head over to TitusTalent.com That's T-I-T-U-S-T-A-L-E-N-T dot com.
0: All right, Jeremy, so we're back on Gut Plus Science. I've got a couple questions for you. Our listeners want to get to know you a little better. So if you could pick out one book, maybe it's a favorite book or one book that you'd recommend to our leader listeners today, what would it be?
2: Yeah, it's this book called Heroic Leadership by Chris Lowney. It really actually talks about the Jesuits and how they had influence for 450 years. And it was a game changer on the systematic uh, understanding of values and how to get people uh teammates engaged.
0: Hmm, very good. That's a new one for us. How about a favorite vacation spot?
2: Well, it's it's probably not realistic, but the Maldives, uh, when well, my wife and I, we went to the Maldives and it was unbelievable in the mil- middle of the Indian Ocean. And I think just being so isolated uh, was so fun. So that, that was probably my favorite spot.
0: Oh, I've seen pictures, haven't been yet, but definitely on the bucket list. (laughs) So favorite hobby when you're not working?
2: You know, I play guitar and um, I dusted off even last night. This this sounds funny, but I dusted off some old poetry. But I write songs and I I like to to play guitar. And so that's just a a hobby. I don't publish those songs. Those are just for me. But they're really, really um, rewarding when I can get the time.
0: Oh, very cool. And Jeremy, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today?
2: Yeah, um, jeremykubicek.com is uh, j-e-r-e-m-i-e kubicek, k-u-b-i-c-e-k.com. That's a hard one. Or easier easiergiant.tv. Um, those are the two ways that people want to connect into what we're doing and what we're about.
0: All right. I love tightly packed shows with so much good information. The tough part is truth you can act on. So here's my tips to take away from Jeremy's conversation today. First of all, 70% of our time should be spent on what fires us up and the other 30% should be the other stuff. So review your calendar to assess where you're at and make that a practice and build that in your team. It's a great way to be able to drive engagement engagement is getting fired up. I love that, Jeremy. All right. Number two, people want to follow relational trusting CEOs. So at the core of that, it's about our ability to communicate and build relationships with our people. we talked about this so much on this show, guys. It's about really getting to know our people as individual human beings and build relationships that ultimately drive trust. Um, and it's a leader that people want to follow when we do that. And third, know yourself and lead yourself. I love that saying, and it's part of the 100X leader. So take time to reflect and determine opportunities to consistently get better. And Jeremy shared a number of different tools, and it's picking out what tools in your toolbox help you with feedback and self-awareness and just consistently making that a practice. So with that, guys, we'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science.